RadioInfluence.com. Well, what's happening? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of The Rock Stops here. Today, we have a very interesting gentleman on the show. He is a winner. He has made it to the top, and he is still at the top, and he is still climbing. He is big rig. He is one of the most successful radio disc jockeys in the country, maybe even in the world. He broadcasts daily on over 100 stations. A rock jock. He's on a couple of different formats. And he's been doing it since he was a little kid. He started out in grammar school at a real radio station. <laughs> doing overnights. He's a techie that also has a great delivery and a great voice. And he's a good guy. He's a dad. His son is very successful in hockey. And as a matter of fact, Big Rig lives in Tampa Bay, Tampa, Florida with his wife. And his son, who is in high school, is in South Lake Tahoe because he's that good of a hockey player. You know, I always saw Big Rig's post about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Boy, he loves his hockey. He loves his hockey. He loves football, too. He's a sports guy. You know, he's a regular guy. He's a good dad. He's a successful radio rock DJ. And he's a sports sports guy, sportsman. And his son is on a path. And he's been, same thing, he's been climbing in the ranks from uh, hockey. And where he is. And so how about that? Moving away from home when he's in high school. Now, I don't know about you. You know, it's a little, I think my wife always says, don't, don't judge. Don't put everybody in one specific box. I think it's a little different for girls than it is for boys to leave the home. I, I just, that's just my, that's how I see it. <laughs> I mean, when I was in high school, if you were to tell me that I could move away and have my freedom, you know, oh my God, I would have signed up for that. We grow, grew up in a uh, Catholic high school, a uh, Catholic, well, a Catholic high school went to Catholic uh, upbringing, uh, fairly strict, I would say, but a good one. Good one. No complaints. Very, very, very fortunate. All right. So without further ado, I want to get into the Jake Paul, Dana White. I want to get into an I think it's an hilarious story. You know, it's the bowl season. It's been the bowl season. Now you got that national championship game. But, oh, my God. And it doesn't surprise me. It's a good one. So I got a couple of stories after this. But without further ado, you're tuning in for Big Rig. So I went to the home studios of 98 Rock in Tampa. I had been in that building. I'll tell you all about it later. Let me get to the man. Let me get to Big Rig. Sitting in the 98 Rock studios in Tampa Bay. And he's behind the microphone. And this microphone, Big Rig. On the rock stops here. All righty. Now, I've had a variety of entertainers on here, and this one is definitely different. Let's welcome in Big Rig, Ron Michaels, who is more than just a radio jock. But when you hear him and you hear his great voice, you can understand why he has been a success and at the top for so long. Big Rig, how you doing? I am fantastic, Rocket. It's good to see you again, my friend. Yeah, you too. You too. You've been a traveling man. I know your son is in hockey and yeah. you guys got back from Tahoe. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the real deal. Now, now I told somebody that that knows you and we were talking. I said, yeah, man, his kid, he's in Tahoe. He's like, oh, Big Rig just wants a vacation to 
to get out of Tampa Bay. And I said, I think it's more than that. Right, Big Rick? Yeah, I'm looking for somebody to pay for my retirement. I'm like, hey, I funded you this long, son. If you don't think I'm keeping a tab on this at the end of the day, yeah, yeah, I'm going to expect a little something, something back. Yeah, it is expensive. And we're obviously going to get into your career. But yeah. tell, tell, tell all your fans and my fans. Uh, the situation with your son, yeah. Lee, leaving home to go to Tahoe and how old yeah. is he? And he's 17. He yep. So Xander's 17. He's, uh, he's skated since he could pretty much walk. Uh, we, he started taking his first learn to skate classes. I think he was three and a half in Brandon. And then shortly thereafter skating hard. And then fast forward, he's five. He, at that point got picked up to be a part of a Mike travel team. And at that point you had to be seven to officially be classified. He was five. So he got picked up as a practice partner. So he couldn't play in the games, but he practiced with the team. So he did that for a year. And then when he was six, by his age classification at that point, they allowed him to try out for a Mike team because of his birthday, because he's an early 04. So he made his first travel team. And then fast forward all these years later, he had played for the Florida Alliance, which is our AAA team that takes the kids out of state. He started doing that when he was a squirt, which is as they get older, like seven, eight. Now, here he is, 17. He uh, he played for the Clearwater Ice Storm out of Clearwater for a long time. Coach Freddie Eaton over there. Freddie is a legend in the local hockey scene here. And last year, we went to, to Denver. He got go to, uh, invited to go to Denver to the CCM Showcase. So you have 400 kids, about 400 scouts. So it literally comes down to like a scout a kid. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And the kids skate in a series. They get matched up on a team full of strangers, which ironically, just to show you how small the hockey world is, yeah. Three of the kids on his team he played with, he knew. Because wow. there were two other kids from Florida here, and they'd all grown up playing together. Wow. So they all played on that team, and then he ended up getting a call. Uh, we were a few days later on vacation in Estes Park, and he got a call from the coach for Tahoe Prep Academy out of uh, Lake Tahoe, South Lake Tahoe. So they were like, hey, saw you play. Love to have you. Is this something you'd be interested in? He's like, yeah, I talked to my parents. So he had a bunch of other teams come on, a lot of junior teams. He wasn't ready to go there yet. He's just a first year U18. So he signed with them to play AAA U18 tier one. So he plays out of South Lake Tahoe. They play in the Northwest division in the NAL, now the North American Prospect Hockey League out of uh, Minneapolis and Texas is where they are. So they play and now he's got, uh, he's got a Canadian team who's looking at him for next year. And then a team, the Detroit Metro Jets, which is a legendary program there that has reached out and said, hey, you know, we'd be interested in your services when this is done, depending on what you want to do. So, yeah, juniors will be next for him. And then on and up from there, he wants to play college hockey eventually. I'm assuming at 17. So he's not a homebody? No. So at Lake Tahoe Prep, everything there is dorm. They have everything there. He goes to South Lake Tahoe High School with the Olympians who were there who trained for the X Games. So they have their pods where they go throughout the day. Because for him, when he went, he's technically got enough credit to to graduate as junior. As gotcha. he went in. So he's just taking a couple of electives to get him through. Nice. So he's doing culinary arts, and then he's doing auto mechanics. Uh, he's doing a broadcast tech, because their high school's just amazing there. So he does that, stays at the dorm with the rest of the team. Wow. So, and then two coaches stay there and then they have the dorm mom who's there and then they have a full commercial kitchen. They have a chef that prepares all the meals. They do everything in and out of there. Wow. And then they have their own rink, their own training facility, everything. It's all in. They do two a days. They go in in the morning. They have ice practice in the morning before they go to school. And then they come back later in the afternoon, ice session, evening off ice, yoga, back to the dorm. And then start it all over wow. the next day. Last one on that, and then we'll get to you. Does he Does he just love it? Is it something? Because I'll yeah. tell you, my brother, now his boys are 28, 30 years old, or they, 
Maybe they're even older now. And he played on a traveling team down in Philly. They're from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. By the way, you're on one of those stations there in the Lancaster area. And uh, they he played, you know, they played so much, so much, so much. Yeah. He gets to go to, he gets a college scholarship at um, uh, UV, uh, U, the military academy. And the coach saw him. He's like, he took all of his gear and he put it in a closet. He goes, I'm done. So there is that, like... He, your son is loving it. Like, oh yeah, he's, not he's like he's, he's like pushed me. He's, in it and you're not. I was a radio pig. He's a hockey pig. He doesn't I want to do anything else. Gotcha. He's he's played. He's a defenseman, but he played goalie. He's done forward. He can play nice. anywhere he needs to play. Nice. He just loves being a part of the game. So he does. Uh, they have throughout the year on the weekends. They go to help teach younger kids now skating so they do that as part of their community give back volunteer program so they're on saturdays if they're not out of town with games oh beautiful so they go back and uh, and you know work with all the five and six year olds who are out learning to skate for the first time or whatever the case may be well 17 so. year old and your dad and you're not here you know what he doesn't have enough time to get in any kind of trouble right, right? no 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 his <laughs> schedule is about as busy as mine i mean they literally <laughs> when they're done at night they go back to the dorm they have their homework they have an hour of us time yeah and then it's to bed and then they're up in the morning at 6 a.m wow breakfast. And then off to the rink, and then it's it's boom, 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 boom. Wow. Yeah. Now, we usually, I usually start off how it started with you, but I just want to fill in our, our listeners. You are, we're sitting here at 98 Rock in Tampa. This is where you've been since, is it 1990? Is that true? 91, 30? right at the beginning. I got 90. here right after the Super Bowl was here. I got here literally right after that. I was here interviewing while the Super Bowl was going on. And was that the Whitney Houston one? Was that the Whitney Houston one? Or? That was I was Giants. The Giants were playing. Oh, the Giants were playing here. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! It seems like a life, a uh, different lifetime ago. Rick. I know. Yeah. So okay, so you have been here since 1991, yeah. and now you are on how many stations? Big Ray? 104 stations across the iHeart Network every single day. A hundred and four stations. Now, when I was in, I only had, could handle being on one station. I mean, 104. What do you think, what do you think is the reason for your longevity? Because that's incredible in this business. Adaptation. That's it. You know, and always being ahead of the game. Like for me, you know, I always, as a kid, so I started when I was 10. I was already electronics junkie. I, my first first time sitting behind a commercial microphone was on an AM 1000-watt station playing big band music on the overnights on the weekends. My dad slept in the lobby while I did this as a kid. And the whole thing, so I was like an engineering geek, right? So I had my own pirate station. My mom, who owned her own beauty shop, one of her clientels, the lady, her husband owned that AM station. So my mom was joking with him one day when he come in to get his wife. She's like, oh, yeah, my son has a pirate station. He's like, oh, really? She's like, yeah, it's 96.3. You could listen to it in your car. If you want to, you might get a kick out of it. So he goes out, listens to it. And then at this point, because at this point, I was a two watt. Okay, this is against the law. This is against FCC rules. <laughs> I'm going out a couple of miles. So, you know, my mom comes and goes, oh, Mr. Jenkins wants to talk to you downstairs. I'm like, oh, man, he's going to bust me. I'm, I'm dead. So I go down and he's like, uh, he's like, oh, I was just listening to you out in my car. He goes, I got to be honest. You sound a lot older than you are for your age. And I'm like, thank you. That's <laughs> and he goes, uh, if, if your mom and dad would be okay with it. If, if you could come and do, it was a pre-recorded newscast that would run at the top of the hour and the bottom of the hour. And he goes, I- I'd love to have you give it a try and see what it's like in a real radio station. And my mom's like, we'll have to talk to his dad. How old were you at this I'm time? I'm 10. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Think about 10. that for a minute. No. So my dad's like, okay, sure. We can try this once, you know? And, and I'm like, I was already, my schedule as a kid was so bizarre because I love, I was a night owl. So I would stay up all night anyway, playing with all the radio gear. And so my dad takes me 
And, you know, I do the first weekend, you know, I'm just absolutely ready to die. I can't even remember how many times I had to cut the newscast because it had to be 60 seconds. And it was great because the AP feed came off. Everything was already pre-written. I just had to read it, load it on a cart, put it in the automation system, and it would fire. That was it. And I knew all that stuff. I'd read all the books. I knew what everything was. I was ready to go. And that's where it started. That's where the whole thing started. So, you know, being here at XTV, I came here to do 10 to 2 at night. And at the time, uh, Kelly Casey, who was, who was doing 10 to 2, she was pregnant. And after she had her child, she's like, I'm not coming back. So it was like, okay, so Greg moved me into that slot. So I was on 10 to 2 at night. Then I moved back 6 to 10 eventually. And then mid-90s, started working on writing code, HTML, because websites were coming along back then. So Sean and Dave, who had Citycom up in Palm Harbor, Worked with them designing the first 98 Rock website. So it's always been about what's next, what's forward. That is smart. So that's what I do. So, you know, when, whenever we started doing, you know, the, as people started calling in the beginning, voice tracking, syndication, whatever. Yes. I started doing that in 2001. So I was one of the first talents in the building. Uh, myself, Randy West, who was here. She's in West Palm now. So we were some of the very first ones to do that in markets. And, it, you know, of course, everybody's like, oh, the blasphemy. I'm like, mm, this is me doing a real show, real shift, almost real time. You know, it's and that's how it is. So you, this time that you and I have together is kind of one of those holes in my day where I I'm not see. in the middle of doing a show. I so that's see. how it works. So, yeah, it's always just about see, being innovative, no matter what you do. I, you're, you're perfect because most DJs or on-air talent are not good at the technical side. And if you can be good at the technical side and then the voice, the delivery, that's a slam dunk. That's, that's unusual that you're good at both. Well, cause here's the thing. I didn't, I didn't do it to do the on air part. I wanted to be an engineer. I was electronics geek. I loved how things worked, but the problem was no one would, would look at me at all. Cause they're like, you're a kid. You know, what do you, you know, it wasn't going to work. So I was like, okay, fine. So then I just started listening to guys and emulating them. And I was close enough to Chicago to hear the 50,000 watt clear channels, Larry Lujak, all those guys, John Landecker. I heard the Indiana, air Indiana, by the way, Indiana. Yes. Is, yeah. Okay, no, okay. All the Indiana's are okay. Okay. So, you know, I was able to hear those stations and then, uh, and a lot of the stations from Nashville, because we're not that far away as a crow flies from Nashville. So on a good night, a lot of the FMs would boom in from Nashville. So back then, you know, Mark Chase and all those guys were there in Nashville doing uh, KDF back then. And that was a flame throwing top 40 station. You know, that was all the up-tempo screaming demon kind of stuff. Yeah. The days of the morning zoo. Yeah. So, you know, and I, and I had heard from going to New York and places like that, you know, with Scott Shannon, who was a Tampa Bay legend here before going to New York. So all that, you know, I enjoyed that part of it. I was like, okay, all right, well, this is where I got to go. This is where I got to go. So that's what I started doing. And then I just kind of fell in love with that part of it too. And I was like, okay, fine. So then I was like, well, what else do I want to do? So I just kind of did a little bit of everything to make sure I always had a hand in something to where you make yourself valuable enough to where, you know, you got to do what you got to do. That's the key. Now Diversify. See, now <laughs> we, we are sitting here in beautiful Tampa Bay and a friend of mine, Dave Moore, if you don't know, outside of the Tampa Bay area, he's now on the broadcast for Buccaneer Games, but he was a tight end for a long time in the NFL. And he he told me, he's like, I looked around, these guys that are faster than me, quicker than me, all this coming out of college, I want to stay in the league. You know what? Long snapper. He trained himself to yeah. be a long snapper, and then he was used as that and as an X bag. He's like, the more that you can do, mm-hmm. that translates into for you. All right. So my question. So then you really had a lot of success here at ninety eight Rock. You specifically, 
and the station in general. Mm -hmm. You've been at the top of the ratings for how long? What, 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 what do you think is the reason for that, Rick? I mean, you don't well, question you, it, you just keep... For us, musically, we're the only type of a genre of music that has such a wide base. Because we're grandkids to grandparents. We're the only format that could still play a song from the 60s, still be viable, that everybody loves because it's a part of your life. Top 40 radio is not like that. Two years and it's done. You know what I mean? Right. So for us, that's a big part of it. And just being a part of our listeners' lives, you know, being as tuned in as we possibly can. I mean, we're extremely active on social media with with not just our, our regular pages, but our personal pages. I mean, for me, everybody that, that I'm with on my Facebook and Instagram and everything else, I mean, I honestly feel like I know them very well because we, you know, we spar, we get into it, we share good times. We do a lot of things. We're not just that, hey, we're here on a pedestal, stare at us, enjoy us. We, we you know, that's, you know, that's not being personal. I mean, I still remember why I started doing this because I like to connect with people. And the funny part about it is when I first started doing the whole on-air part, I was, I was a nerdy, geeky introvert. So this kind of forced me out of that comfort zone and I liked it. So, I mean, trust me, nobody likes to sit home on their couch more than me, but I enjoyed <laughs> it. I enjoyed the interaction and getting out. And I liked also the anonymity of it all because as I'm going through high school, um, we had at the high school, WNAS radio, which is the first high school station in America. I was very lucky to have that in my life. It signed out in 1949. So as I came in there to become the program director, uh, Brad Harden, who is the CEO of programming for iHeart now, he was leaving as a senior. So it's, we talk about radio, how small of a circle it is. There's a lot of us from that Midwest area. Myself, Brad, Mark Chase, um, Tim Dukes from Tim and Tom back in the day on WFLZ sure. here. Bubba There's a Love bunch Sponge, of us. I yep, think, yeah. We're all in that little Midwestern clump of, of radio geeks. That's who we are. So that really kind of, and so in high school, when I was doing that, a lot of people didn't know it was me until they would walk by because we had a big picture window at the high school. So they could walk by, see who was on the air, and people would sit out there for study hall because there were couches out there to listen to the station. So then people were just kind of like going, that's kind of weird. You're kind of that weird, quiet kid, but you do this? Really? So it, and it was weird too how I went in because we had to take speech class as we were coming in as sophomores. So my whole thing was, I don't want to take speech class. I don't, I don't work that way. That's not what I do. It's just, I'm not comfortable doing it. And they were, and uh, my counselor was like, he goes, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to get into the radio program. And he goes, wait, well, let me get this straight. You don't want to write a speech, <laughs> but you want to go talk on a microphone to all these people. I'm like, it's not the same thing, man. Trust me. So, uh, so I played him some of my demo tapes that I'd done. He goes, oh, so you've already done this before. I'm like, yes, but by the rules of the school, I'm allegedly not eligible to get in yet. He goes, okay, well, let me talk to Mr. Kelly and see what we can do. So he did, and Mr. Kelly was like, all right, come in for an audition. See what happens. So I did the audition, passed, got it, I was in. And then after that, the rest was gravy. I just kept working, and I got to try a lot of things there, engineering-wise and on-air-wise, and just have fun. That was it. Now, here's what I want to ask you, Big Rick. I, if I travel anywhere around the United States, I get the rental car of boom, 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 and I will hear you. And it, yeah, I can hear you. It's amazing. And I'm like, how is he able to do this? Because, you know, you're voice tracking it. You're mm -hmm. doing it out of Tampa, either here or yep. at your home. Yep. You got mostly rock stations, but you got different formats. Yeah. So yeah. How, how are you able to do this? One at a time. 
<laughs> I mean, that's literally it's it's my day 100 is, and... it's 104. So I'm on everywhere in America every hour of the day except for three to four a.m. because of the time differences between Hawaii and the and the East Coast. So. And we don't always own a station in that state, but because we have so many hundred thousand watt mothers, they just cover, they just cover, cover, cover. So yeah, from uh, Fairbanks, Alaska to Hawaii, uh, Hawaii, uh, all the way back to Maine, Southern Maine, all the way down through obviously South Florida, Southern Texas, you know, all over the place. So it's really, it's, it's just having a routine, you know, for me, it's getting prep done before I go to bed at night, getting up in the morning, getting started could be anywhere from 6 a.m. to about 8 a.m. Just depends on what my day has, right? Get the first show started. By then, everybody else is awake. Salespeople are awake. They're all asking questions about endorsements, everything else. If I've got conference calls that morning or teams, do that. Go back into lunchtime, finish up with lunchtime, back into show prep, and get started on shows one by one. So, and I've got 98 Rock kind of in the middle of that because I do 98 Rock real time as I'm going through the afternoon. I see. But I'm bouncing back in and out of... New Hampshire and West Palm Beach and Charlotte and all those other cities. So I just, I just one by one, knock them down. And then if there's crisis or whatever, I'm always watching. Like I've got multiple monitors, a lot like in our studio here, uh, where I have each city that I'm on, I've got pod windows so I can see Nashville, all of them. So if there's something that's breaking, I'm getting it. I'll get the alerts on my phone so I can immediately go in, do an update. You know, the other night when the tornadoes were ravaging through around Nashville and Southern Kentucky, uh, that was one of those events I knew was going to happen. So I literally was up and I was talking to the program director in Nashville at the time, like, Hey, what do you need? Cause I I'm there. I'm, I'm watching. I see everything. I'm getting all the alerts so I could load content in on the overnight if need be. So never, there's never a beat skip, never a beat missed. That's what we do. Now, if you're on a different fall, okay. How many, the percentage, like, okay, mostly rock, but what, 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 uh, what other formats are you on? 95% rock. Okay. And then you've got the other 5% that could be alternative, could be 80 station, which is what San Francisco is. So you don't really have to change your delivery. You're always just you. It's pretty much just me. I'm pretty much just as I am. You know, the 80 station is a little bit different because it's kind of got that old school 80s flair. So it's a little bit more up tempo, not quite as relaxed. But no, no, no. It's I'm just me. That's it. What you Did see is what you, get. you ever think, I wonder if I'd like to dip my toe into the talk radio format or sports I talk or anything? Oh, yeah, you I did. did. I did. I, I used to this. fill in for Jeff Fisher on FLA. Gosh, this has probably been uh, 10 years ago, something uh, like that. Oh. But for me, you know, my politics are in the middle. I'm not one or the other. And the FLA audience really leaned hard right. I don't know where they are now, probably still over there. So it was fun. I enjoyed it because, you know, everybody got all kinds of upset, hot, bothered. I'm like, okay, great. I'm like, I'm just here in the middle. You guys are over here yelling at me. You're yelling at me. I feel like I'm at home. You know what I mean? So I did that for a little while, but that's not really a passion. That one's not yet, you know? Uh, But I think definitely, eventually, yes, I I would probably go in that direction. Yeah. Now, how how do you handle when you have big events, big, big concerts? Uh, I guess it works because do you go out other than 98 Rock? You can't. You can't be flying around, right? Oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah, I was just in Charlotte Charlotte two weeks ago. Yeah. So what happens as you get older? Because it used to be, it used to be, and everything is different. You know, rock jocks, boom. They get to a certain age. 
then if there was classic rock, but there really is, there's a few classic, there's classic, a few classic rockers, and then they'd get into that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one one jock told me, he goes, I can't be out there. Eh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 60 years old, man. And it can't be faking it. Yeah, I'm going to be skateboarding. Like, I can't do that. But that's just, is that just like a stereotype? I mean, that's what some people do to themselves. It's like, if you want to be, look at the calendar and go, oh, I'm 60. Jeez, I can't do that. Well, that's on you, man. I, yeah, I'm, I'm 51 now, but I don't do anything different than I did before. I'm still the same person. I still love going to the rock shows. You know, I'm still ready to get rowdy and have a good time. That's not going to change. No way, man. No. I, listen, I learned from my mom. My mom just turned 80. If you looked at her, you'd think she's in her 50s. Love it. Never had a thing done to herself. She's just active. She just doesn't stop. I mean, she's just, she, she had her beauty salon open until she was 79. She just closed it. She closed that because of COVID. Because she's like, I only had a few customers left. She goes, I couldn't have them in anymore. So she goes, it was time to say goodnight. Wow. And that's the thing. My mom was a workaholic. That's where I get my work ethic from. Because she would open the beauty shop at 5 o'clock in the morning. She'd work till 5 or 6 in the evening, Monday through Friday. Take the weekends off. You know, when it's like an athlete, for, like I still cover sports. And if it's an older player, I've, I'm always like, oh, I remember a couple of years ago, I saw Warren Moon. I said, Warren, you played until you were whatever, 45. He goes, I get that from older gentlemen. I love to see guys that are still doing like the Stones. Now, I know you went to the Stones concert in Tampa. And I know that the, with the, the sound system, oh, how was that awful. was. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. But I've been following them on Big Stones oh, yeah. around the country and just seeing like 78 years old. L- look at how does Keith Richards, they don't care. Care. No, they're, they're they're that right. You they're do still what doing you do. it. You do what you love until you go in the grave, man. That's it. You know, people will come along and try and uh, stereotype you out. They will. I mean, there was a point. Was it around two thousand six, two thousand seven? We had someone. There was someone in the company. I can't remember. I don't, I don't know. They're not with us anymore. But there was like a consultant person who's like going, "Why is he still on this radio station? Really?" And I'm like, and they're like, yeah, they, they think you're too old. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? I'm like, I was at the time, I was like 35. I'm like, are you, are you crazy? Don't you I'm like, that? okay. I'm like, this is somebody I got to meet. And, but that was, you know, the, that was the end of the conversation. Never heard it again. And I'm like going, somebody's trying to really railroad me out? Really? Like, okay. But that happens. You're going to run into that. You are. I mean, there's always someone young coming up who's like going, okay, old timer. All right, boomer. And then you start having that conversation and they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah. We can walk around the block together and I can teach you a few things. I didn't get to this point and go, all right, I'm done learning. We're good. That's not how this works. That's awesome. Yeah. I love your attitude. All right, we'll be wrapping this up here. Two more, Big Rig. Um, what do you say to people? I, I get this a lot like, oh, radio's dead. Podcasting or I got Spotify. I got Pandora. I can listen to whatever songs I want at any time. You guys are still doing it. Radio is still successful, right? Here's why. It's very simple. And we do this, we do this kind of research all the time. And it's not just our company that does it. Everybody does it. And they keep looking. And the one thing I've learned that's never changed since I was in my early 20s, when we would have a focus group with listeners, right? You have the conversation and everybody's like, ah, you just play the same stuff all the time. You need to have some variety. Okay, fine. Great. All good. So we're going to sit down. We're going to have you guys listen to 200 songs. Okay. You're going to hear the hook, the most popular part of the song. And then... Whenever you do that, we're going to give you options of what you're going to do with that song. Are you going to keep listening? You're going to crank it up? Or are you just going to punch out and go somewhere else, whatever the case may be? The funny part is they always talk about the variety that they want. The first thing they would do, eight out of ten times, the second that something came along they didn't know, they mark it unfamiliar and they were gone. And I just, I would sit there and laugh and go, all right, here you go. This is what you said. <laughs> well, you wanted, but this is what you did. And they're like, wow, I really do that? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's just, I do it. I, I mean, look. 
the same thing goes with with all the streaming services that you have especially now where we are, yeah. people say that they're overwhelmed. They can't remember what, what streaming app their favorite show's on. It gets confusing. Yes. We did one thing. We built the iHeartRadio app so we could have everything on a, like, a, like a virtual radio dial. We invited all the other companies to put their stations on it. So it's a giant radio dial with all the podcasts from everywhere else on one app. We put it in one spot. You don't have to remember anything other than our app and the fact that it's free. That's it. That's smart. And that's what you do. We're everywhere you want us to be. We, we never didn't look ahead. We were like, listen, if there's a, a Wi-Fi speaker on a toaster, we got to be on there. That's You have to. You can never give them a reason not to want you or listen to you. So we just make sure we're everywhere they are, and that's it. And they keep choosing. I, what, I always end it with this, with all of my guests. I'm sure you get it a lot. My son or a young person or something, I want to get in this business, man, but nobody's giving me a chance. And what do I do? What advice do you give, Rick? You've been so successful for so long in this business. Yeah, I mean, you know, there really has never been a given path. It's a lot harder now because, you know, the internships and stuff are a lot different. But, um, you know, you still do have the broadcast schools that are out there and that's not a bad option. You know, I know it's a lot of upfront money, but you get out of it what you want to get out of it. You know, there's a lot of great teachers there. They're going to show you the way. But the thing is, you just got to dig in, especially now. There's so many resources online that you can look and research, you know, and, and find out more about what it is you want to do. I think those places are great for helping you discover what your passion is, really where you want to go. And then from there, it's up to you. But if you're not willing to put the hard work in and you're just like, going, eh, you know, well, that's dad, this will just be what it is. It's, you know, it's not like that. Um, and just having a fluid mind, right? Don't be afraid to think. Don't be afraid to think out loud and be creative. Just think about it. It's like podcasting. People always try and do like these polished, beautiful. It doesn't have to be a big production, baby. The raw, the better because it's more real. That's the one thing, depending on what it is, you just have to read the room. You know, sometimes people like a polished, well-sounding program. But when it's just us having conversations, right. simple conversations, because it's an escape for your mind. That's it. I hope Just you, be an escape. I hope you continue longer than the Stones, buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll be sitting in this chair until I'm old and dusty. Until they brush me out with a broom. Big Rig, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rock, for the time. I appreciate it. You know, it's really something because I started my radio career in Tampa Bay. Now, I didn't start my radio career, period, in Tampa Bay. That was up in New Jersey, uh, Sussex County, New Jersey, a rural area, WSUS, FM 102.3. That's where I started. I mean, I actually started prior to that at a radio station in Hackettstown, New Jersey, WRNJ and AM. The news director was a, the, the owner of the station was a weirdo. He had a boy that was there that was doing all kinds of odd jobs, and he was a, a single man. It was, it was very strange, and I wanted to break into the business, and he hired me to be a newsman. I said, okay, I'll do news. You know, I can't start off in sports. And I got there, and he told me, I'm, I want you to investigate the chief of police. You know, it's a small town. It was called Hackettstown, New Jersey. He was having a running battle with the chief of police. I didn't ask any questions. And he goes, I want you to take notes and I want you to spy on him. That's your job as a newsman. Okay. When do I go on the air? Don't worry about that. Huh. I never went on the air. I was in dinky bars. I was in parking lots. I was meeting these men. And if they would have something bad to say about the, the mayor, 
And I wrote it all down. I wrote it all down. And then the one guy, the main news guy, he was off on vacation. He said, okay, you can fill in. And I filled in. Larry got so mad that I was on the air. You're an investigator. I don't want you on the air. And so the bottom line is it was a strange situation, the whole deal. And I, it didn't last. But that station traded news stories in a really small, they'll say. You know, it's a little bit different now. But they traded with a station in like Blairstown, New Jersey. These are small places. Port Jervis, New York, a really tiny little place right over the border. And in Sussex County, Franklin, New Jersey. And uh, there was an opening there, and I became the number two newsman. I also did sports, did high school things, and did news, and I covered planning boards and zoning boards and all that jazz, blah, 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 blah. But it was a great, it was a great learning uh, experience, learning ground to just learn everything. And, you know, who, what, when, and where, and how to write, and how to edit, and the little, you know, tape, and blah, blah, blah. And then... Then I was on my way. But when I came to Tampa Bay, I had been a national TV reporter. Uh, It's a long story, but I was looking for a job because the owner of FNN, Financial News Network, I was working for FNN Sports. We were on weekends. It It was a great gig, blah, blah, blah. He was embezzling money. And once that came out, USA Today, I think, was this uh, publication that broke it. Boom, we knew our our shit was going to run out. Our luck was going to run out. And sure enough, it was up for sale. CNBC bought out FNN, dropped the sports format, and I was out of a gig. And so I came down to Tampa Bay on Gandhi Boulevard, a legendary building. Nothing to brag about, but a legendary building for talk show hosts uh, that came out of there. Bubba the Love Sponge was very popular on the Power Pig. Um, Just Power Pig. Power Pig Hello, 970 WFLA, boom. Then they got the raise and all that jazz. But anyway, and then years go on. I work at Bay News 9. I worked part-time there for five years, did a show, The Rock Pile. But I hadn't been back in the building in a while. And so when I interviewed Big Rig, I was like, wow. Just looking around. I had an apartment when I came. I drove from Denver, Colorado to take this job. And I drove from Denver, Colorado and landed at these apartments that were right behind the station. I mean, you could, I walked. There were days where I could actually, I would actually walk to, uh, to the station, but it wasn't too hot. So anyway, it was kind of, it was kind of surreal being back in the building, interviewing big rig and there's hardly anybody there. There's no salespeople anymore. Now they are going to move to different facilities in, in another area, feather sound, like it could be April, May, June, but because of COVID, like a lot, so many are working from home and it was on a weekday. I don't know, like 11 o'clock. There's nobody there. Like, wow. Oh, and there used to be a receptionary, no reception. Like a lot of stations, you forget about the reception receptionist. That was even prior to COVID. And so, but it was, it looks the same. I mean, they had done some renovations, but just going down the halls and I was like, wow, there's the newsroom still right there. There's the AM studio. There's the control room. My friend Jeff worked there, hung with him. When I first came down, I was a bachelor. I was single. I hooked up with him and a friend. We hung out and partied and hung out a lot, you know, and I was always there and then went back and blah, 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 the production and then back, back, back into the studio. So thank you, Big Rig. But what was kind of neat is his attitude. Like, I love it. It's like, no, I'm not too old to still be doing rock and roll. Like, screw you. You know, um, he's always ahead of the game. 
you know, be ahead of the game. He was the first one to voice track different markets. And they were like, oh, what are you doing? Like he said in that interview, oh, this is terrible. It's terrible. Well, <laughs> he was ahead of the game. Now, then the digital age. Now he's looking at what's next to try to stay ahead of the game. That's very, very interesting. I think we could all learn from that. Look at what is trending. Look at what's predicted to be ahead. Do some homework, you know? Like for being in our business, you don't want to be in the newspaper business. You don't, you know, you can't just be a jock for one music station. Like how long is that going to last? You know, and he does all these and it really blows me away. Like I would be freaked out if I had like just five, maybe eight, ten stations. That would be an awful lot. Ten different markets that I had to do and try to get ratings to be number one. Because if you don't get ratings, you're not bringing in the revenue. You're going to be gone. I don't care how good you are as a personality, if you're a good guy. And he has got over 100. How about that? And gets up at before like 6 a.m. in the morning, starts his preparation. He's got all his information from Nashville, San Francisco, and all these markets, you know, wherever he is. And it's funny, I've been on rental cars when I'll go on some trips. Like, for an example, I went to visit my brother in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, a little town called Lidditz. I was in the rental car. I was just hitting it, you know, boom, 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 boom. I heard Big Rig. He was on a station there, you know, uh, where I started in Sussex County, New Jersey. They have a rock station there. It's iHeart now. It used to be a locally owned place when I was there. And it's uh, WNNJ and it's a rock station. And I went back to visit and had a great time at a rock concert, man, in uh, uh, up in Sussex County at the fairgrounds this summer. It was one of the m most fun times I've had since quarantine. I'm hoping to go back next year. And NNJ was the sponsor. And sure enough, I was driving around in my rental up there. And here's Big Rig. He's on that station. You know, you can, wherever, chances are, wherever you are in the continental U.S. or maybe even beyond, you'll hear Big Rig. So, again, I enjoy doing these interviews of those that have made it in this business or whatever business it is. They all have great attitudes. They all put in the time and the work, but they're not negative. They're not like, oh, this business, oh, this sucks. Oh, we got to move to new studios. Oh, they're cutting back. Oh, I got to do more stations. Like, he's not like that. He's not like that. I interviewed a, a Jesse Cage, who was a real successful rock DJ, and he saw the way the things were shifting, and he's like, I'm going to get into real estate. And boy, oh boy, is he crushing it because he pulled, and again, great attitude. I went to his house in, in St. Pete and sat down, met his wife, and you could tell they got the good relationship. Honey, I'm going to be here, boom, 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 I catch you later, going to do lunch. And then boom, and, and just like the attitude, I walk out of there, I'm like, I'm reinvigorated, man. And so, you know, I think we've got to make a plan for this coming year, this year that's here now. Even though the damn strains keep coming, and you, you will, we'll deal with it. You got to go with the flow. Because I started thinking, why am I making any plants? I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, is there going to be anything going on? No, you got to make the plans and then we'll just deal with it and go with the flow. Right, 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 right. All right, let, let, let me get to some fun. You ready to get some fun? So how was your New Year's? How did you do? Did you, were you, because I used to call it amateur night. I'm like, Psh, I can drink beer any night. I can go to a bar any night. I can party any night. 
Yeah, oh, oh, we have to party, but my wife is not a partier. And she always wants to do, yeah, what are we doing for New Year's? Do You know, she likes it. He likes it. Okay. So we ended up going to two parties this year. One was indoors, and it all revolves around our daughter. You know what I mean? Whatever, whatever Addie is going to be doing or happy or how we can make it work, or we got it. She's only 12 and a half, so we got to still... Uh, you know, she can't drive. <laughs> so you got to bring her and make sure she's okay. And then, you know, bring her back or pick her back up. So we got invited to a house party. And the guy that had it, it's because Addie, Addie's my daughter. Emily's my wife. Hunter's my son. And Hunter lives about 20, 15 minutes from here. But anyway, he's 24. So Addie got invited and so did we, parents, the kids and the parents. And so we went over to his house. He's a dad and he's divorced, but even by his ex, he's got a new, blah, 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 blah. No need to get into all that. But he is a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan, you know, Georgia dogs. And they were in the semifinal. Now I got to play Alabama. Well, depending on what time you're listening to this, I don't know if it'll already have passed or not. But anyway, it was one of those things where it was, there was no music on. Everybody was locked into the game because the owner of the house and the guy that was throwing the party just loves this Georgia dogs, and this is their chance. So basically, everybody was just locked into the game. Now, the kids were doing their thing, and they're doing their TikToks, and they're dancing, and da, da, da. the food spread was amazing, and he's a good guy. And it was and the, the Georgia dogs were kicking ass. They kicked Michigan's ass, and so good for him. Good for him. And his mom and dad, are there, they're from Georgia. So we only said we were going to be there a half because we got to go to another New Year's Eve party. And this one was closer to our house. That one wasn't that far. A couple towns, a town over. So we leave there, had a great time. Thank you, thank you there. Like I said, their food spread was amazing. And now we head to another one outdoors. So Emily had gotten dressed up for that New Year's Eve party. I had on a nice, you know, longer pair of pants. We both changed because it's still warm down here. It's been in the 80s. And so we changed. She put on her shorts. I put on my shorts, blah, blah, blah. And it was actually, we actually could walk to it with my daughter. And now we're at an outdoor New Year's Eve party. And they had like a campfire in the cul-de-sac. This, this cool thing that uh, my friend who had the party got from a liquor distributor. Oh, my God, it keeps the heat in. There's no... You know, ashes flying all over and everybody had their, the parents all had their, uh, you know, in a circle with, with chairs and we're all just sitting there and drinking beers and just, and then the game was on in the driveway on a big screen that he had set up. Everything was done from a little tiny thing. When we were watching the semifinal game in this house that we had come from, it was being streamed off of the iPhone that was over in the, on the side on a desk. I'm like... I, what and the quality was incredible. It's just amazing. But anyway, so it was really cool. We got the best of both worlds. And then Addie wanted to get back here to see the ball drop. So we wait about eleven forty. We said goodbye. We had a nice time there, and then we walked back. And then the three of us and our dog watched the ball drop and Happy New Year and all that jazz. So it was really really nice. It was really really nice. Now I've been at a couple of bowl games. I was at the Gasparilla Bowl, and that was UCF against the Florida Gators, and there were more fans. They had a almost a sellout just about for that game because the fans could drive. UCF represented, oh, my God, they had more fans than the Gator fans because Gators SEC down year. And then the Outback Bowl, 
very successful all week long. The events they have and all the people that come from the north, that was Arkansas and Penn State, and I was at that one. It was less fans. It was amazing. Like, wow, the Outback Bowl has been around 30 years, and they've got the same title sponsor. It's the longest-running title sponsor, single title sponsor, in all of the bowl games. That includes all. That's all of them, man. Orange Bowl, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Cotton Bowl. And uh, they do it right. So here's the deal. Here's my funny story. You ready? So I'm noticing Arkansas plates. I was around during the week. I went to one of the coaches' press conferences. They had it in a hotel over by this international mall. Really nice. And I'm noticing the media overall is young, like in their 20s. A lot. And there's not a lot of old timers. (laughs) And... They're traveling. Okay, they came from Arkansas or they came from all over Pennsylvania for Penn State because that's a whole statewide thing. And there's quite a bit of media, you know? And they were just raving about the weather. And like, oh, my God. Even though in the Northeast it hasn't been real cold yet, still, if you're in the 50s or 45 and it's gloomy and you're down here and it's 80, 80, 83, 84 degrees. It's even unusually warm. So they're loving it. They are loving it. They're going to the beach. They have a beach day. You know, we take it for granted because we live here. We're like, wow, this is nice weather, but we live here. So this is a New Year's Day bowl. Okay. Penn State and Arkansas. So we stayed up past that. Then Addie was still watching some TV and she was pumped up, blah, blah, blah. So I, I think we went to bed about 1 30 or so maybe 2 a.m so i i got up real early i wanted to get over to the stadium early hoping maybe i could see somebody that maybe you never know who you're going to run into that i could put on one of this you know these podcasts they do two podcasts and so let me get over there early and traffic's usually backed up because nobody knows what's going on so it was a gorgeous morning it was a morning okay and i didn't overboard you know go overboard on, on new year's eve night so anyway, uh, I get over there and blah, 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 blah. And I'm starting to hear, and I'm, I'm noticing, you know, the bands and the fans are tailgating. And it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. And they're drinking and eating and just sitting out. And everybody's just like, oh, we couldn't have a better day. And it's just unbelievable. Here we are, New Year's Day, and it's in the 80s. And it's sunny and it's gorgeous. So then I get my you know, go through security. I'm going up and I'm hearing in the elevator, hey, what'd you do last night? So there was one woman that was a reporter, probably about, I don't know, maybe 40s, early 40s. And she's like, oh, I just was at the hotel, down the hotel bar. And then that was it. I didn't, I don't have to stay up until midnight. Who wants to do that? I was in bed by whatever, 10, 30, 11. Okay, that was her. Another guy that was in the elevator says, Oh, man, I got to bed at 4.30. Oh, we were in Ybor City. Oh. (laughs) So, and I got my mask on in the elevator because I don't want to catch this dang variant and then be out to not cover the bucks or whatever. So I'm laughing at that. And then going around and they have this, they have Outback sponsors it. So the food is amazing. It just keeps on coming and it's amazing. And they give out a lot of credentials, and there's a lot of out-of-town media. Now, I was more in the section where they're from Pennsylvania, Penn State. 
And throughout the throughout the day, because it was a day game, I'm hearing the scuttlebutt. Like, what did you do? Oh, we went here. Oh, we were over here. Oh, and I'm like, oh, they're really taking advantage of the, you know, being away from the cold and being down here. And if your station is paying for you or your publication, oh my God, man, can you imagine? And like I say, I noticed a lot of younger media, which means they're not going to just sit in the room, their hotel room and read a book and you're down here in Florida. So I had a couple pictures, posted a couple of videos. I was able to find somebody that I'm going to put on. The, I was going to put them on this podcast. I'll tell you about that at another time. But it was great. Great, 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 great. So I get a text from Lee from Joe Bucks fan. And he goes, hey, you at the game? And this was later. I might have already, I don't know if I was left or I was at the end. I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, did you see this? And he screenshotted a tweet from a reporter that said, there is a reporter here at the Outback Bowl in the press conference, passed out, like flat out on his laptop, totally passed out. And I just laughed. It wasn't like, oh, listen. I, I, now I don't know what age and I don't know who it was. And everybody started asking, who is it? It has to be so-and-so. It has to be so-and-so. Now, she was a reporter. I think she was from The Athletic, but she covered Penn State. So I don't know if the reporter's from Penn State. I'm um, covering Penn State or Arkansas. Pig suey. But that reporter probably was out so late and just burned that candle on New Year's Eve and was on a work trip to cover the Outback Bowl on New Year's Day. What was the hashtag they were using? Football in paradise. And he probably just, boom, crashed and passed out. And I had to laugh. And then, so then I got busy doing something. I said, Lee, I put the you know, laughing emojis. No, I did not see whoever this was. And uh, I did hear Scuttlebutt that there were some that went to Ybor City. And Ybor City was, oh, it's open so late, packed. There was another reporter that said, oh, I'm staying down on the Channel Side District of Tampa. And boy, once after midnight, everything closed up. And then another guy said, no, not at Ybor City. I was going strong till 3, 4 a.m. So I just laughed. And everybody was asking this this uh, reporter that tweeted that, who is it? Come on, you got to tell us. like, what goes on in the press box stays in the press box. Now, it would be embarrassing to get that reputation. I thought about that. What if that had been me? What if that had been me back in my day where I would really go overboard? As if I don't. No, no. But if I had gone overboard and then passed out the next day, listen, I have been hungover. I have drank too many beers. I have partied too hard many a time. Not proud of it, just many a time. And I have never passed out on the job the next day. Whoa, am I better than everybody else? That's what my wife says, stop saying that. So I don't want to come across like that. But I, I was wondering, like, would you now in this day and age, like almost the saying, no publicity is bad publicity. Like, do you use that? Does that go viral? Like, what if somebody took that picture or a video of him in the press box at the Outback Bowl, flat out passed out in his laptop. 
Like, could he he could he get a beer sponsor? Would he be? Would it go viral? Or hmm, his employer might not like that. You know what I'm saying? But look, he's he. If it was somebody younger, and you're down here partying, and he just burned that candle, and like I say. They th- they couldn't believe it was 85 years old. There was a section of Penn State fans down low in the corner of the stadium, right at where the tunnel, where the team comes out. And I noticed in the first quarter, there were two guys that just had their shirts off the whole game. So and it's in the first quarter. Okay, they got their shirts off. Then a chant started. Then another guy took off his shirt. And, then, and, and it wasn't like these guys were built like, the, like a brick shed house. They were a little on the flabby, but, you know, heavy set side. They did not care. And they stayed that way the entire game. No shirt, drinking beer, cheering on. They're Nittany Lions. And that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Uh, So I hope you all had a great time here. And that's the other thing that I heard. And I was telling a guy, Tom, that I know it's a local uh, reporter. I said, Tom. I'm hearing so many say, oh, I got to move down here. Oh, I got to talk to my wife. I got to get down here. I'm moving. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with the Northeast. Everybody says that when you come down here in the winter. Now, experience 93, 94 degrees, 89% humidity, blazing sun, and just sweating your bizzles off for months after months after months. See then. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's so funny. They're all down. I got to move down here. Oh, this is bad. Oh, you live down here? You're so lucky, man. No, we are. We were, we're very fortunate. No doubt about that. But it was funny. I heard a lot of that during this bowl season from out-of-towners. And it just, it would crack me up. Crack me up. One thing that I would love to see is Jake Paul. I know there are probably so many of you, you cannot stand Jake Paul. Okay. The troll the YouTuber, the one that's undefeated in boxing. He beat Tyron Woodley. He he beats UFC guys. He beats MMA guys. Ben Askren, uh, they're on the downward slide and going to retire anyway. Uh, It's not like they got a walking, a cane or anything, but still. And then a basketball player, and he did another YouTuber. So anyway, and I was thinking, what is going to be next for him? And he came out, and he rips into Dana White, who runs the UFC. And you don't pay your, you know, your fighters. He does pay his fighters that are on his undercards. I will tell you that. And I went to see my buddy Ian Beckles, who used to play with for the Buccaneers. He's a talk show host in Tampa Bay. He's got like four or five different podcasts. And I went to his place last week. And we were just talking. I said, what's going on? Are you doing it? Family, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And uh, what do you think, man? Hey, Oh, and somehow it came up to Jake Paul or boxing. I said, you go that fight? And he's like, yeah, I was there. I said, what do you think? He's like, I give him respect. He sold the place out. He did. And and I was like, I thought the same thing. Like, you can get a Keith Thurman, who is a considered, I really have a, I'm a, I'm a Keith Thurman fan. I covered this young man when he was with Ben Getty, and he was just a kid. And he's been a world champion. He lost to Pacquiao, his only loss. He's got a fight now. He's back in training. And I really like him. I don't know if Keith Thurman, I don't think so, if Keith Thurman was headlining Emily Arena. I don't know if he'd bring in 20,000 20, people. 
I'm just saying boxing in general. He he's he's great. Ian even thinks, what about Canelo? There's not a lot of Mexican. It's not a heavy Mexican population here in Tampa Bay. If we were in California, if we were in L.A., if we were in San Antonio, if we were in certain parts of the country and now West with a heavy Mexican population, yes, Canelo would sell out easily. But I'm not so sure Canelo Alvarez would sell out Amelie Arena. What do you think? I don't know. And I got to give it up to Jake Paul. But here's the thing. He's smart. He said he will retire from boxing if he, he's he got all these demands. He wants, he's going to fight Jorge Masvidal in MMA, do an MMA fight. That's, dang, he's very smart as a marketer. I got to tell you. And I think Dana White would probably never agree to it because he's much older than Jake Paul. And Dana, you know, I, I just think the public would buy that if that was an MMA or a boxing match, Dana White versus Jake Paul. I think the public would buy that. I think I would buy that or know somebody would be able to get me to be able to see that thing. And so, again, I got to give a credit to Jake Paul. I know he's cocky. He is a troll. Oh, my God. And then when Dana White responded, because he claims Dana White does cocaine, Dana White says he's on steroids, and he never addressed paying his fighters more you know so it's very very interesting but once again man it's about the marketing and moving the needle i could learn from jake paul that's that's my biggest problem is getting known and doing things that will get me recognized outside of you gracious loyal diehards that have been following me i appreciate that all righty, that's about it for this episode. Uh, what do I got next week? Now, we'll see. I'm working on a few things, so it depends. Um, I did interview my next guest, and I'm, I'm planning on probably having him next week. Now, I know the theme of this podcast is, you know, what I got cooking. You and us, we're, you and I just hanging. Let's just hang. Try to beat this damn new life you know, hang in there and all that. And let's do it together. You know what I mean? And I try to be honest with you and blah, blah, blah. Um, but how do you, those that have made it to the top, and how do you stay at the top? Well, you know what? My upcoming guest is in a medium market. They go by market size in our business, whether it's radio or TV. New York is number one. L.A. is number two. And it goes down the list. You got Chicago up there, San Francisco, blah, blah, blah. Tampa Bay, I think, population-wise. I know it's the fastest-growing city right now in the United States or area, region. Uh, it's surpassed Miami, I believe. Miami was always a bigger market. But the population growth here, and, of course, in Orlando as well, Central Florida, just continues to grow. But I interviewed a guy that is 38. 35, 6, 7, 8 years at one TV station in a medium market. I consider that making it to the top because he values quality of life. And it's funny, when we get into this business, you think, I got to make it to New York. And I thought so too. I was living in Jersey. My goal was to be on channel 2, 4, 7, PIX, 11, 5. You know, I used to see the Warner Wolf and, and Marv Albert and, you know, and, and Len... Um, <laughs> there's Len Martez that was local <laughs> and there's Len Bias that passed away uh, but anyway 
those guys, you know what I mean? And I, I thought, I got to get it. To, I'll make it to New York. Oh, and then when I was at New Jersey Network, we were in the New York, Philadelphia market, so our quality had to be good. But I thought, oh, some people moved there and there. And then you get to a certain point in your life, you're like, it's about life. Okay, do I have kids? Do I have a wife? Where, is it expensive to live here? Can you only live in an apartment or a condo? Oh, you got to commute? Oh, and it's really hard. And so this guy is in a media market in the United States, and he's been there at a strong station, and he's still there, and he still loves what he's doing, and he's happy. He's happy as can be. So I might have that for you next week. And if something big, if I get a big one, oh, baby. So you can help me out by subscribing, liking, and uh, I just appreciate your support. All right? And we got this. It's a new year. I saw a great quote from Nadamik and Sue. Nadamik and Sue came into the league being known as somewhat in the NFL a defensive tackle as a dirty player. But seeing him now over the course of the last couple of years, he is a very intelligent, smart, honest family man. And he gives out advice and business advice. Very interesting. And he had a great quote on New Year's Day, something to the effect of, it is no use to keep continuing to harp on what should have happened in your life or damn, I wish that didn't happen or I want to redo that or I got screwed over here. If only this had happened, he says, don't do that. Just look ahead, look forward. And I'm going to really try to do that. Get this plan going and really stepping it up and moving forward. And I think we can all do that as long as we have our health, Let's move forward, man. Okay? We still live in the greatest country in the world. God bless the USA. All right, enough of that crap. <laughs> I went from beer and partying and hungover in Ybor City and a reporter at the Elbrack Bowl passed out in his laptop to trying to give a, a, a rah-rah speech. I don't want to do that. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Thanks, man, for checking out The Rock Stops Here. This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles Quick Fix on Radio Influence. To me, the A-B situation, as I'm seeing everybody else deal with it, think about it this way, everybody. A-B, when you talk about mental health, and please do me a favor and stop saying it's not mental health, okay? Stop that, please. And like on social media, I put out a post and I said, listen, let's keep it real now, okay? The kid is sick. Everybody's like, he's just an asshole, okay? You know, you know how many assholes are in the NFL? 30%? 30% of the ass in the NFL is assholes. There's 30% of your office is full of assholes. Assholes don't do things to cost themselves millions of dollars. It doesn't happen, okay? Assholes don't get fired. Assholes are just assholes. I played against, I played with a lot of assholes. They weren't fired. They weren't sent home. And they weren't ridiculously talented and can't find a gosh darn job. Come on now. That's not being an asshole. To do what he did yesterday is not being an asshole. You're showing your ass in front of millions of people. The Today Show opened up with Antonio Brown. Are you kidding me? Who thinks that that is good for anybody's brand? Okay? And with greatness comes 
enabling. And they've been enabling, you know, Antonio Brown for ages now, okay? They've been enabling him for ages, and now all of a sudden, everybody wants to drop on top of him, and he broke down in front of the film, blew millions of dollars, okay? I'm going to say this. All Bruce Aarons has to say is, the guy gets fired everywhere he's at. You guys are going to believe him? Why would anybody believe him at this moment? I don't know why anybody would believe Antonio Brown at this moment. I certainly don't. I'm going to say good riddance, but I'm also going to say this. If I was his teammate, I would still have his back. Because that's still my boy, that's still my teammate, we still went to war together, and I would hope for the best for you, and if you needed anything, I would be there for you. And I hope that's how his teammates are approaching this, because that's still your teammate. That's still your role, dog. But he clearly needs some help. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. 